Hello, Living Streams family. It's uh, real good to be seen by you. That's what we're working on right now. Um, I wish I could see you. I wish I could see uh, what's going on in your life. It's been so great to hear stories. Thanks for all the emails, the posts, the, the, um, the likes. I know, I know on the, the Facebook Live you could do all those little emojis, and my kids just run through them really fast, so they get a little bit of those angry emojis in there too, which cuts me deep, but uh, it's okay, it's okay. Um, but yeah, please do um, give us as much response, as much feedback as you can um, as we're trying to stay together and, and track together. Please do reach out to each other in the church often. Um, please stay with your life groups. Please do your best to that. Um, we're going to get past this and we're going to come back together at some point, but, um, but it's real important we, we try and minimize the the, the loss that we, we have during this time, the loss in our community, and maximize the opportunity we have. I've, I'm slowly starting to shift from being super grumpy about um, all of this change that we're going through and trying to rejoice about all the technology that we have at this time so we can um, still stay connected. So lean into all of that. Um, but before we do that, before we go any further, I, I want to pray, and, and I'm, I'm going to ask you to go ahead and pray with me um, we're going to pray for our leaders, we're going to pray for our, our, our nation and our city as we're trying to make decisions about what the next steps are. So join me in prayer if you would. Heavenly Father, we know that you see everything clearly. You know exactly what kind of threat and ramifications this virus has. You know exactly what kind of threat and ramifications um, all, the, all the disruption that, that has been caused it will bring throughout the rest of the year. And Lord, we really do pray that you would be with our leaders, our government officials, our, our healthcare professionals. Lord, I pray that you would be with our leaders and, and you would really speak to them and, and, and they would guide us well. We pray that there would be no um, selfishness, no pride, no deceit that's able to get in and, and steer this, this nation and to steer our city. But Lord, I pray that you would really break through and ultimately, Lord, all of us would just humble ourselves before you and cry out for mercy and that many would come to once again know how faithful you are, how good you are. And we would put away a lot of the idols we've been looking to, Lord, and we would return to you. That's our prayer today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, I'm very excited about our message today. Um, but before we jump into it, I want to talk uh, just a couple quarantine thoughts with you real quick. Um, first of all, I went to the grocery store the other morning, and uh, I came back with a bag of 36 rolls of toilet paper. And I held that thing in my hand like I had just killed the, the, the enemy's warrior champion or something. I walked in my house, and I held that up before my family. And they were happy, but we haven't run out of toilet paper, so it was more, more kind of... I think my emotion than anything else. But um, anyways, we also, uh, this week has been interesting for me because I've been interacting with some people who know quarantine really well. Um, people who have been in quarantine a lot more than 35 days like the rest of us. Uh, first, there was a lady who'd been quarantined for over a year because she's waiting for a heart transplant. And she told me as I was trying to glean some information from her, she said, to be on your guard, to stay alert, be clear-headed, confident in our salvation, and build each other up. And when you get overwhelmed by the isolation, you have to reach out. 
Don't wait. Don't wait for someone else to reach out. Just go for it. Reach out boldly. Then I talked with a family who's been in quarantine for over a year, also because they've been waiting for the mom of the family to get a, a kidney transplant. The dad said, learn that life and health is a very precious thing. Without belief in God's plan and a group of supporters, you will have a rougher road to travel. And by the way, we were talking all this time and they've been waiting for over this year. And last night he texted me and said, hey, we're going in. She's getting this kidney. So um, keep them in your prayers and I'll I'll hope to find out more today. But um, she's come through and, and it's been successful so far. And then lastly, there was a family that has been quarantined for over 10 years. This one was heavy. Um, The mom and three of the kids, their three kids are all immunocompromised and medically fragile. And uh, the dad told me that isolation can strengthen your hope and faith in Jesus, but it can also leave you very vulnerable to the devil. We got to pay attention to that. The enemy's trying to come in and cause more disruption and damage than ever before. And he said, faith in Jesus and the hope of eternal life without pain and suffering with total healing is what drives us in so many ways. The hope that they have that God will one day put an end to all of this, whether in this life or the next, is what drives them. He said, if our kiddos are not healed this side of heaven for whatever reason, we know that we will be, we will be when Jesus calls them home. With that hope and faith, I truly believe the pain of watching our children, without that hope and faith, I truly believe the pain of watching our children suffer would be too great even unbearable. And again, we're just getting little snapshots into these people's lives, but, but they're talking about what a difference the hope in Jesus makes. And basically, we have faith in Jesus that there will be a reason for our suffering. We have to believe that there is a reason for whatever disruption or suffering we go through. And we have hope in Jesus that all suffering will one day be swallowed up by joy and healing eventually. And sometimes we get it in this life, but we're guaranteed to get it when he comes back. And so with all this in mind, I've been trying to think, okay, we finished our sermon series on um, spiritual practices and and spiritual formation. We did Easter last week, and so I was looking ahead to see what we want to get into next. And and as we celebrated the crucifixion, the resurrection of Jesus and all of that, as I was thinking about hope and and, 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 and the eternal the promise that we have from the Lord, I, I felt like it would be good for us to spend this Sunday before we go on to anything else and really talk about the one thing Jesus said he was going to do and hasn't done yet. And what I'm talking about there is, is Christ's return. Um, here at Jesus said um, in, in, uh, first, or in John 14, 1, he said to his disciples right before he went to the crucifixion, went to the cross, he said, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have not told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me so that you may be where I am. Here is a promise right before Jesus goes to his death. He's telling his disciples, look, I'm going to go away. But why, why I'm going away is so that I can go and prepare a place for you. And when I go and prepare this place for you, once it's prepared, I am going to come back for you. And at that point, they couldn't figure out the full ramifications of that, but they did later on. And then just after Jesus had risen from the days, actually the dead, 40 days after he rose from the dead, in Acts chapter 1, those disciples were looking intently up to the sky as Jesus was going up 
the ascension, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus, who has been taken from you into heaven, will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. So just as he has ascended into the clouds, he's going to descend from the clouds at some point. And now many of us would start to think, ooh, he's going to talk about the recurrent of Christ. Start the apocalyptic mystery music. Like, ooh, he's going to get crazy in here. And it is true when we talk about um, the return of Christ, it, it takes us into end times. It takes us into eschatology. Um, it takes us into a, a lot of those things. And there are cryptic scriptures that are written about those times. And, and there are also very, very plain scriptures written about those times. And so what I hope today is trying to cut through a lot of that to, to help us know what we know, what we know without a shadow of doubt, what is true from the Old Testament to the New Testament. What is the ultimate hope that Jesus brings for this life and the life to come? And so we're going to go through that. And it's not only the Old Testament that, that points to it. The New Testament does. I was reading one book, um, and they were talking about how, really, in the New Testament, the, the return of Christ is talked about more, more so than almost any other doctrine. Um, when we look at the Old Testament and the New Testament, uh, we have this day of the Lord, the return of Christ. We have, we have this final judgment. We have these, these scriptures, and there's more scriptures about all of those, more prophecies about all of that than even the, the, the coming of Christ and, and the incarnation and the crucifixion and the resurrection. So it's something that, that though it hasn't happened, we still need to remember. We need to contemplate. We need to celebrate as believers. It is our great hope. It's what makes us not of most men miserable, like Paul would say in 1 Corinthians 15. And even the Apostles' Creed, this document that has been spread around the world and has been preserved over all the life of the church throughout generation to generation, is full of this same type of doctrine. In there it says, We believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived of the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. On the third day he rose again from the dead, ascended into heaven. Yeah, Easter, woo this is awesome. But the very next line, he sat down at the right hand of God the Father Almighty, and he will come again to judge the living and the dead. We cannot forget this. This needs to be part of our thinking. As we face whatever we're facing, this is what is our hope. And then it goes on, we believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic, or universal church, the communion of the saints. We believe in the forgiveness of sins. Yes, 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 we're strong on all of that. But we believe in the resurrection of the body. We believe in life everlasting. These are things that, that God has given to us, God has promised to us, because he knew we were going to need these promises, just like all the others. We can't forget these. If we forget these, it's basically like, Drinking medicine that doesn't have all the ingredients you need. It's not going to do the full effect. So with that, what is the return of Jesus going to accomplish? What is the return of Jesus going to accomplish? Now, if there's kids watching here, um, or if you're like my wife and you're kind of like a kid still at this point in a lot of ways, um, I'm going to give you some things to look for, all right, just in case you're getting super bored right now. Um, uh, this might be inspired by Dora, the Explorer. I don't know if it is, sorry. But um, there's a few clues I want you to look for as we go through the rest of this message. The first one is 
we kind of already been talking about, but what is Jesus going to do next? We know what he's done, but what is he going to do next? That's the first thing that I want you to be able to try and answer your parents after this. The second thing is, I want you to figure out what Jesus is going to do with his breath. Okay, there's a scripture that talks about that, so that's coming, so look for that. And the last thing is, what will Jesus do to all the sad things in life? Okay, so that's what you're looking for um, as we continue on. But this is what the, the Bible teaches. This is kind of a breakdown of, of what the return of Christ is going to accomplish in our world. And the first thing is um, the resurrection of the body, just like described in the Apostles' Creed. The second thing is, is the destruction of all that is ungodly. And the third thing is the restoration of all things. So we're going to unpack those right now. So the first thing, the resurrection of the body. Let me read a scripture to you from 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13. It says this, Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be ignorant about those who fall asleep. So don't miss this. This is important. Or to grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. We believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's own word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left to the coming of the Lord, the return of Christ, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself, for Jesus, the next thing he's going to do, will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. So this is Paul writing to the Thessalonian church. They were confused about some of the stuff that was going on. First of all, he wanted them to know, any of your loved ones, any of the people that you know who die in Christ Jesus, who have given their life to Christ, you can know that though they might be dead, though their bodies are still buried in the ground, when Christ returns, their bodies, their bones, whatever is there, their ashes, whatever it is, that is going to be caught up and brought into a glorified state just like Jesus after the resurrection. When they went to the tomb, Jesus' body wasn't there. That was teaching us something. When, when, when our bodies are buried, when our bodies are burned into ash, whatever it might be, it's, the story is not over. God is going to bring all of those elements back into combination in some sort of glorified way. And we're waiting for that resurrection of the body. Jesus didn't just, didn't just say it's going to happen, but he demonstrated it for us. And Jesus rose. His body was there. How do we know it was his body? He still had the wounds in his side and his hands and his feet. And he was able to eat and he walked among people and they could recognize him, but not quite because he was glorified. There was no more curse on him at all. There was no more death in his body at all. And they couldn't even recognize it. And so that's our hope. Two things. First of all, the resurrection of the body. All those who have fallen asleep in Christ before us, who have died before us, they are going to be raised. So we don't grieve as if losing them forever, even though it hurts and feels like that. But if Jesus was to come back today, all of those would be raised up, glorified, and then we would follow suit after that. And it's a great, glorious hope. And it's a promise as true as the death and resurrection of Jesus. So put stock in it. 
Put stock in it. It will not disappoint. And then the last thing on that reality that I think is so interesting is, is it says in one of the scriptures that after Jesus died and, 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 was, and, and was crucified and then he rose from the dead, it says there was this great earthquake and it said that all these, all these dead in Christ, all the saints, a bunch of saints rose from the dead and walked into Jerusalem. And I wish I could see more about what that is maybe, but, uh, but I think it's just so interesting. Jesus shook something loose with his resurrection that is being unpacked and will ultimately be unpacked in fullness at the day he comes back. The second thing, the second thing is the destruction of all that is ungodly. Second Peter chapter three says this. Sorry, let me find it here. Second Peter chapter three. First of all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own evil desires. They will say, where is the coming he promised? Ever since our fathers died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. But they deliberately forget that long ago, by God's word, the heavens existed and the earth was formed out of water and by water. And by these waters also, the world of that time was deluged and destroyed, the flood. By the same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and the destruction of ungodly men. This is what Peter is saying. He's describing that when Christ comes, there is going to be, there was going to be a destruction, a judgment, a punishment that comes with fire. And it's going to completely destroy all the wickedness in the world. And, and this is a very heavy thought at first. When you think about those who don't know Christ, those who are not washed in his blood, those who are not taken on the righteousness of Christ. Because the Bible is very clear that there is going to be destruction. Jesus, the way he talked about it, he loved people enough to warn them and he would talk about the unquenchable fires of hell. He would talk about the eternal darkness. And he didn't say it because he's mean or he's some sort of jerk or some sort of... Um, you know, like judgment-prone, wrathful God. He did it because he didn't want anyone to go there. He didn't want anyone to ever taste that destruction. He knew it was coming, and so he was warning them. And instead of being judgmental, he laid down his life to make a way for them, for you, who have the wrath of God hanging over your heads because you have not surrendered to Christ. This is what the return of Christ will bring. It will bring the destruction. On the other hand, it's not a heavy thing. It's a comforting thing to think about all the sex traffickers out there, all the greedy people who are stealing all this stuff while people are going hungry. All of the, the wrong, the wickedness, the evil in the world, it is going to be done away with. God is not going to put up with it forever. He is going to do away with it and bring about righteousness. Oh, how I long for that day. Come, Lord Jesus, we're ready to see the end of all wickedness. And, and this is where in 2 Thessalonians, it says, um, Paul describes it, that Jesus, when he comes, he is going to destroy all wickedness, not with some big battle, but it says he will destroy it with the breath of his mouth and the splendor of his coming. It's just going to be a moment. It's just going to be a moment when it's all done away with. And then lastly, the last thing the, resurrection, or the return of Christ will bring is the restoration of all things. And I think about this all the time. In uh, Acts chapter 3, 17, it says this, verse 17. Now, brothers and sisters, I know you acted in ignorance, as did your leaders when you crucified Christ. But this is how God fulfilled what he had foretold through all the prophets, saying that this Christ would suffer 
Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out and that times of refreshing may come from the Lord and that he may send the Christ who has been appointed to you, even Jesus. He must remain in heaven until the time comes for God to restore everything as he promised long ago through the holy prophets. This is our hope. Jesus is coming to restore everything. And I love the way one um, person described it. Actually, it comes from the Lord of the Rings, but a, a Tim Keller picked up on it. And he said this in his book. He says that basically what it means is that God is going to come and he's going to make everything sad come untrue. It, it's going to be just like death was this sad, sad story. But when Jesus rose again from the dead, death started to be undone. Not just for Jesus, but for those saints in the, in the graves. Death started to be undone. And it's true that the healings that we receive in, in this time where we're waiting for the return of God, those are, those are glimpses, those are tastes of the, of, the, of the weakness that sin and death's grip has on the world. The grip is loosening. The snow is melting, so to speak. And spring is coming. Life is coming. And yet the return of Christ is going to bring this final moment where Jesus restores everything. Everything sad comes untrue. And in 1 John chapter 3, there's a verse that says, Dear friends, now we are the children of God and what will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And there's this great hope that John, who was very old as he pens this, he spent time with Jesus. He was there at the crucifixion, the, one, the only apostle there. He ran to the tomb to see Jesus' body not there. He was able to touch the wounds and see the wounds on Jesus after his resurrection. He watched Jesus ascend. And then he says to him, we don't know how it's all gonna come to pass, but we know that Christ is going to appear and when we see him, we're going to be like him in newness, in righteousness. No longer having the sinful nature within us. No longer having this flesh to war against. No longer having death and disease show up all, all over the place. But he's going to restore everything. And this is our great hope. This is what we want to see Jesus do. And the very end of the scripture is John is writing and, and he says, even so, Lord, this is our hope. Even so, Lord, come quickly. And that's our prayer in the midst of our disruption now and all the disruptions to come. We say, Jesus, come quickly. Jesus, we're ready for you. We know that there is nothing that compares to you. And we long for this hope that you have promised to us. So praise the one who set me free. Hallelujah, death has lost its grip on me. Come, Lord Jesus, we long to see Everything sad come untrue. Well, we're gonna um, we're gonna take communion together here in just a moment, and uh, we're gonna sing a song um, after this 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 brief moment right now. Um, and this is a time for you to just think about where you're at in all of this. Um, as I was praying about this moment uh, where we're gonna be singing this song, I just really felt like Jesus was saying, "Tell everybody I'm listening. Tell everybody I'm listening." And so as these guys come up and we're going to sing this song of worship um, before we take communion together, I, I want you to think about a few things. First of all, whatever you're carrying, whatever, whatever curse you feel, whether it's your own wrestling with, your, with the flesh and sin and temptation, whether it's some sort of sickness in your body or 
or, or psychology, um, whether it's just a real heaviness you're experiencing, whatever it might be, I want you to really cry out to Jesus. I want you to ask him to help you. And there's two ways he helps you. One, he helps you by actually healing you in this moment. And the other is he gives you the grace and strength to endure. And, and, and either one is good and rich and necessary. So I want you to really cry out to him. And, and if you are not someone that, that has this hope, if you are not someone that, that knows your name is written in Jesus' book, if you are not someone who has confessed with your mouth that he is Lord and believed in your heart that he rose from the dead, this is, this is the day. This is the moment. You can have this hope both now and forever. You can be seated in heavenly places with Christ. You can be robed in his righteousness. And you might need to ask God for forgiveness. You might need to ask God for salvation. You might need to ask God to give you this hope. And he will gladly give it to you. He proved that he wants to save you by dying on the cross and giving his life for you so that you could give your life to him. So as this song goes, please take this time, individually, pray, communicate with God, and allow him to save you and make you whole. And then we'll come back at the end of the song and we'll take the bread and the cup together. You won't light up mountain, you won't climb up coming after me. There's no wall you won't kick down, lie you won't tear down, coming after me. Mm-hmm. There's no shadow you won't light up, mountain you won't climb up, coming after me. There's no wall you won't kick down, lie you won't tear down, coming after me. There's no shadow. There's no shadow you won't light up, mountain you won't climb up, coming after me. There's no wall you won't kick down, lie you won't tear down, coming after me. There's no shadow you won't light up, mountain you won't climb up, coming after me. There's no wall you won't kick down.
Well, this is a precious moment for building the community, both with, with our own church family as well as the church worldwide. And, and as we talk about hope, I mean, this is our hope, what Jesus did for us. And one time I was with some friends, and we had this plan to go play basketball um, in a, on a summer day, and we didn't really think it through. And, and we got ready to play, and it was like, you know, super hot outside, and none of us felt any energy. We were at our friend's house, and, and uh, we just, we couldn't really get ourselves to even go outside and play, but um, the, the mom of, of the friend came out and said, hey, why don't you guys, you know, remember you can go jump in the pool afterwards. We have, we've got that community pool over there. And, and it was so interesting to see how our, our entire thinking shifted when, when, we knew, when we knew we could just, no matter what happened, we could go jump in the pool afterwards. And so we all got out there and we played really hard. We had a lot of fun. We played for longer than we were planning on playing, all because we just had that hope that at any minute we could go jump in that pool. And, and that hope really does something to us. And the hope that Jesus is coming to do this, it's what fuels us, it's what drives us. I love what, what Josh had said in that, um, that it's what's driving them as a family when they face these challenges. And so I, that's my prayer is that you'll be filled with hope today. And, and again, that we remember what Jesus did for us because this is our hope. Without this, we would have no hope. We would have no standing with God. We would instead be expecting the wrath of God. But because of this, we can expect the goodness of God. So let's, uh, let's pray. Jesus, we do, we thank you for your body that was broken and we hold it precious and valuable and we receive it asking for you to fill us with your strength, with your righteousness, with your hope, with your joy. You know what we need, Jesus. And as we take your, your, your body, your broken body, I pray you'd fill, it with it, fill us with it. Let's take the bread. Jesus, we, we thank you so much for your precious blood that washes us clean of all of our sins, the sins we've done, the sins that we will do, that your righteousness and your love is more powerful than any wrong we could ever do. And so we take this, celebrating the forgiveness we have in you. Wash us clean, Jesus. Let's take the cup. Well, it's good to be with you. Hopefully you enjoyed this. Hopefully you're edified and built up. I hope some of you who don't know where you're at with Jesus, I hope you have some new assurance coming. If you said uh, a prayer to ask Christ into your life or to commit your life, if this is new to you or you need some explanation, please reach out to us. You can email us. You can message on your, whatever uh, media you're doing so, uh, online. But, uh, but we love you very much. And we long to be together, and we're going to come up with some cool plans for the month of May. So stay tuned for that. Check our website often, and uh, God bless you. We'll see you next week.